Good morning, everyone. Kevin here from Skywatcher, and welcome to another What's Up webcast. Uh, we do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. Uh, we cover everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks. And of course, at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Uh, today is January 20th, 2023, um, Friday. And uh, today we're talking about star party planning. Um, today's probably going to be a little bit more of a conversation. Um, I, I do have a presentation, of course, which you're going to see, but um, probably be just talking about uh, star parties in general um, and see kind of where it goes. Uh, so uh, before we get started, uh, like I said, we do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific. If you like what you see here, please go ahead and subscribe. It lets us know we're doing a good job. Um, if you have any ideas for a future What's Up webcast episode, go ahead and email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. Um, let's see. Um, we are getting email. Sorry, there's some stuff about Totem. Um, the target of the month, uh, we just sent a bunch of 2022 patches out. So if you've been waiting on yours and you haven't seen it, uh, they are all on the way now. So you'll probably be getting that in the next week or so. Uh, sorry for the delay on that. Um, we'll go ahead and see uh, if we're getting... Uh, Hollow Man, I will see if we're getting your emails coming through. They're probably in there, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll check it out. Um, but it does take time for us to get the patches out. We didn't have enough 2022 patches, so we had to wait for them to come in. We got them, and then it took time to get everything packed and ready to go because there was a few of them. Um, so all of them are on the way, uh, but thanks for your patience. Um, yes, all the totem patches get shipped the in the following month. So we have to wait for everybody's stuff to come in for the month. So if you're waiting on January stuff... We find it's easier just to get a big list together of everyone who put in for the totem uh, project and then get everything together and then ship it all out in one big shipment rather than just shipping them as they come in um, because there's more than you think. So um, anyway, that's where we're at with totem. Uh, if you want to know more about uh, the target of the month, you can go to skywatchusa.com and check out uh, totem and what the target is and what the targets have been. So good luck to you on all of that. Um, so star party planning, that's what we're talking about. It is the beginning of the year. This is usually when a lot of, um, conversations come up because it's a new year. There's new events coming up and, you know, we start chatting about what do we want to go do this year? Um, now most star parties, it's really about the love of dark skies, uh, getting out there, enjoying, you know, the true dark of the night rather than being stuck in like city and light pollution and all that fun stuff. Um, these events are usually fairly remote um, and they're usually far from home. So there's things that we have to do to plan accordingly for these things. Um, not all of them. We'll kind of go and break it down a little bit further. Uh, but there's some big questions that we generally want to ask ourselves uh before we go out to these uh, dark sky sites. And the first one is, you know, where are we going? Um, is this an event that, you know, is just up the road? Maybe it's just an outreach star party that's in town. There's not much planning for it. Um, or is it something remote? Maybe you're driving quite a distance to get the, to this event. That all requires uh, an understanding of where we're going. Um, 
Well, that was a question. I've been asked to teach a class about astronomy for a look. I was thinking about doing a mini star party, but I'm not sure. Oh, I will get to all those questions at the end on this one. Um, the next thing we want to know is how long is this event? Some of these events are pretty big. Um, there's events that we go to, and I'll tell you which ones we're actually planning to attend this year uh, so far that are a week long. And that's something that we need to take into account. Um, if we're going to be doing that, because uh, there's a lot more logistics that's coming into play if we're not just going for a night or two. Um, lastly, what do we need to bring? Because, I mean, that's a big thing. Um, of course, the first thing that we all think of is what's the biggest telescope that we can bring with us or what imaging gear are we going to bring? But uh, the equipment, the telescopes themselves are usually the easiest thing, but there's a lot more that we need. Um and we need to think about all of that. So uh, so let's break it down real quick. Um, I'll try to answer some of these questions as we go through because um, this is not a big presentation. It's going to be more of, you know, elaborating on it. A lot of you probably know this, but it's just a fun to, thing to uh, think about. Um, so first off, where are we going? Um, astronomy events, as we all know, can vary. Um, you have your outreach events, maybe you have a dark sky outing with your friends where it's just a small group. Um, uh, major events or large star parties. Uh, those are a little bit uh, larger events. So, of course, there's going to be more casual things if you're just doing a get together. Um, but they're all kind of one and the same. Uh, for outreach events, a lot of times, especially for me because I do a lot of them, um, outreach events are something that you know, they're normally in town. It's a very casual thing. Um, it does require some planning, especially if you're the organizer. You need to have the venue locked down. You need to let people know where it is. You need to know what time, um, all of that. But as far as just going and executing that event, um, outreach events are pretty simplistic. Uh, you just need to show up. Hopefully, you've got a team of people. Um, and we will... You go out and set it up. Let's see what's going on here. Based on the title, I thought this episode was about planning a star party. As one of the host owners, presenters of a star party, it's about attending a star party. We can actually talk about both, actually. I think we'll have plenty of time. And I can give you my um, thought process having organized and attended star parties. So I'll, I'll throw that in here. Well, that's a good topic. Um, so outreach events, that's one thing. Now, if... Here, we'll just go into it right now, actually. If you're organizing, and this is pretty much across the board, um, if you're wanting to organize a star party um, or an event at all, um, the first thing that you're going to actually have to do is get a venue together. You know, where are we going to do it? Um, and that's kind of what we're talking about there. Where are we going or where are we going to do this event? Um, if you're doing an outreach event, that's pretty easy um, or it's easier because your venues are generally more obtainable. Is it a school? Is it a park? Um, is it a museum? What is it? Um, so if you're planning an event, you're going to have to figure out what your venue or the what your venue is going to be. If it's a dark sky site, um, you want to make sure because most dark sky locations, it's going to be land usually way out somewhere. I don't know if it's farmland, maybe it's a park, like a, a state or national park. And, or if you're lucky enough, it's a place that 
you own or someone you know owns because the big trick about some of these dark sky outings is you need to have access to that venue um, out here in Arizona we have a lot of BLM state land where you can get a you can just go out and do whatever you want to do um, but or you should have some kind of relationship with uh, Bureau of Land Management which is what BLM is um, but I've also done star parties where they're on a farm and you have to you have to have permission from the landowner to be on their property and I know there are clubs out there that that build those relationships with landowners. So that's something that you're going to want to do. Um, if you're looking to host a star party is you're going to have to find your venue. And that's obviously going to vary depending on where it's going to be. If you're in the city, a venue is probably a lot easier than if you're going to be out in a dark sky location, um, national parks and state parks, you need to build a relationship with that organization. You cannot just waltz into a national park or a, or a state park and suddenly start hosting a large event. There's liability issues and all that stuff. Um, that's something, that's another thing you have to consider. If you're hosting a large event, liability becomes a big thing. You have to have your own insurance policies at that point. For my organization, I have my own insurance policies. I think it's a one or two million dollar liability uh um, policy. So if anybody gets hit or they fall over, if they trip on a whatever, or they smack their head on a counterweight, that's something that you're going to have to think about, especially as these events get bigger, because you don't want to be held liable if someone does something stupid. Um, so liability becomes a very big thing. And I think that's where a lot of people start to fail at hosting events is because it becomes very quick. You find out that there's a lot of red flags or red tape, I should say. There's a lot of red tape that you actually have to go through to get a large event going. Um, for those of you who attended Seoul, uh, the solar observing lab I put together uh, with some friends in October, um, that had to have the, the museum that we held that at has a liability um, insurance on the property. So that's something that's kind of a big thing. And that's, that's honestly one of the biggest pieces of red tape when you're trying to organize a star party for a school or anything big is no one wants to get sued in this day and age. So liability insurance is a big thing. And then it's who is going to pay for the liability insurance is your, does your club have liability insurance? Uh, probably most astronomy clubs, they're usually a 501 C three. They probably have some kind of liability, uh, insurance um on as a policy for the club so it's easier for them to go do star parties at a school because they probably have a two million dollar um insurance policy backing them up which most locations nowadays are going to do that's if you're doing something big or you're doing it at a school you're going to need some kind of insurance and that's where it's easier if you're in a club because you have that umbrella or make it a business or whatever the case may be uh, but that's going to be a very big thing if you're trying to organize an event. Um, a lot of the national parks are actually um, is you need to build a relationship with them. You cannot just go out and start doing or hosting events inside of a national park. Um, I've had people do that. You have to be permitted to do that for the national parks. And anybody out there who's doing events in a national park, 
without consulting the national park themselves, um, you're kind of screwing over our whole park service because they work really hard to maintain and support these lands that we go to protect and the dark skies that come from it. So you taking a little bit of time to spend a little bit of money to go get a permit to back up the national park service and just follow their rules is a big thing. Um, don't go to the national parks and just take it as your own and do whatever you want. Like follow the rules, support the national park service, because if you support them, they'll support you. And it makes doing an event a lot easier. Just go with the way it needs to go and don't try to run upstream. Uh, will insurance cover if a member of accidentally breaks a scope, for example, uh, most insurance, um, is liability insurance. So it's more if someone gets hurt, they fall and trip on a ladder. You can get different types of insurance, but normally damage to your telescope. Um, that's probably going to be under um, your homeowner's insurance or business insurance or whatever like that. But limited liability insurance, which is what you have to have to do a lot of these events, is... Um, that just protects you in case someone gets hurt so they don't sue you. Um, I'll tell you right now, just being very transparent because I've had friends who've been very helpful with me learning this, a $2 million liability insurance is about minimum of what you need. And that sounds like a lot. Um, and it is, it's about $2,800 a year for me to have that insurance policy. Maybe yours is better. You have to shop around. Um, but that's that's what you need and i've actually been turned away from doing and hosting events because at the time i did not have that insurance policy so the limited liability is a big big deal if you're going to be doing stuff at schools or other places it's going to come up so especially if you're going to be doing this as a business and you're going to go to resorts and charge them a ton of money to do an event the first thing they're going to ask you is limited liability insurance so Anyway, didn't plan to go down that route, but it's it's a good thing. Um, like if you go to Texas Star Party, for example, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, the club that runs that, if you ask the organizers, you can 100% guarantee that there is a limited liability insurance policy for that club to host that star party at that location. And it's just a requirement. But if you want to start hosting big events and organizing it, that's something you're going to need to consider because there's a lot of places that will turn you away if you don't have it. Um, so if you're planning an event or you're going somewhere, you still need to know where you're going to go. You need to pick your venue. Um, you need to probably have an idea of how many people are going to be attending, especially if you're organizing because that's going to depict how big of a venue you're going to need. Uh, generally, when I'm organizing star parties, um, I'd like to find places uh, that make people comfortable. They're easily accessible. I love doing star parties in dark sky locations. I'm doing one in February for a small group um, out at a dark sky site not far from Phoenix. But we needed something that was easy for people to get. Not everybody has four-wheel drive not everybody wants to be cold um, having a place with a restroom is quite nice and all those places are out there but you need to start learning where and how you get to them um, let's see 
I would think most attendees would have to sign a waiver to protect organizers from personal equipment loss. You could do that, but then you have to have all your attendees sign a, a waiver. And that's a lot. So when you go out and do an event um, like me, if I take my 28 inch telescope out, which is if I had to replace it, it would probably be between 40 and $50,000 to replace that telescope. That's my own risk. I am risking my own equipment at that point. I could get valuable property insurance, maybe cover it under homeowner's insurance. Um, if it gets damaged, um, there's probably ways you can insure that. But you do take a risk every time you take your equipment out. And that's just up to you on what you're wanting to do. So, um, But I don't have a waiver. I've done events for a thousand people. I can't have a thousand people sign a waiver. Like a thousand waivers would be ridiculous to keep track of. Um, it's just there is always going to be risk with what you do. So cool. Uh, that went off on a whole nother thing, but it's good. It's good that we brought all this up. So, uh, if you're going to a star party, you need to know where you're going to host it. If you're, if you are hosting it, you're going to have to know what your venue is. I would recommend that making venues easy to get to make sure there's some comfortable use, unless it's just a few of your buddies and you're just going out super remote somewhere. Um, but if you're going out with a group and you're bringing people out, try to make it comfortable. Make sure there's a restroom there. Make sure it's easily accessible and you don't need anything crazy uh, to get to it. Um, dark sky outings with your friends. Go wherever you want. You know, that's... that's I We have a couple dark sky sites out in the desert. Some friends and I just go out to. We just pick one of those random spots. We go out and check it out and have a fun time. There's nothing comfortable about them. You're camping. If you can get a trailer in there, um, which for all of us who own a big dob is a must. But if you can get a camping trailer in there, it's really comfortable. Um, stuff like that's awesome. Uh, major star parties, however, are much bigger, much larger, much more planned out events. Here's a list of just the ones I could rattle off in my head. We have Winter Star Party, Texas Star Party, Okie Tex, Golden State, Oregon, um, Cherry Springs, Grand Canyon Star Party, Nebraska. I know there is a massive list of star parties, and this is just here in the U.S. I know there's good ones in Canada. There's great ones all over the world. I can't. I don't have enough room to put all the major star parties um, that are there. Um, these events are generally hosted by a club, a local club to the region. Um, those clubs. A lot of these events have been around for a long time. Very long. Texas Star Party is like one of the oldest Dobbs. Dobbs. I have a picture of my Dob there. It's one of the oldest events in the country um, for astronomy uh, star parties. They've been doing this for decades. Um, and if you haven't been, it's really worth going. Um, Skywatcher will be there this year. We're excited to get back there. So we will be on the field hanging out. I don't know what to capacity we're going to be there, but we'd like to bring, we'll probably bring our new CQ350 and some fun stuff there. But um, Texas Star Party is fun. Uh, here are a lot of good things about Okie Tex. We've just never made that one happen. Um, I have friends of mine who swear by the Winter Star Party. Um, my favorite one is Grand Canyon Star Party. And this is actually what brings up an interesting uh, topic about these star parties. And this is something if you're trying to organize a large event or go to a large event, you should probably know the expectation 
of these events and what they actually stand for. The majority of the star parties that you see here on the screen are large, serious get-togethers for serious astronomers. This is a these are generally very dark skies. I would kind of equate this to the Super Bowl, if you will. A lot of us go all year saving up our money, planning to go to these events, and we're going to go out and enjoy it. These events, I would tell people who are just getting started or beginners, these are very serious events. Um, you, the people there are there who are there are very serious about this hobby. They're some of the nicest people that you will meet. Everyone that I've met at a star party, for the most part, we there's always that guy. Um, but most people at star parties are extremely gracious. They love talking about equipment, and if astronomy is your thing, and this is what resonates with you. You coming to a star party, you will probably feel like you belong to this huge family that you've probably never had before. You've found your tribe, essentially. And that's how it works for me. Um, is going to a star party. I've met so many amazing friends at star parties. And the camaraderie that you get from star parties, that's one of the biggest reasons to go. It's not even that you're going to a dark sky or even using your equipment. It's about going and seeing friends. Um, that's a big thing for, I'll just tell you an insider thing. That's the big thing that a lot of us vendors like to go to Neath for. Neath is amazing. We get to meet a lot of you there. But that's also a time that we get to see a lot of our friends that we don't get to see very often. It's a camaraderie thing. And star parties are no different. You're going for the camaraderie of it. But I would say if you're a beginner and you're thinking about your first major star party, let's say you you got a telescope and you want to go out to Texas star party. That's a big event. There are expectations that you coming to that event, you understand what you're going to be doing there. You need to make sure that you understand protocol of a star party. We have a whole episode that we did about understanding protocols of events like this. You should be able to know that no white lights. You will be freaking crucified if you turn a white light on at some of these star parties. Um, laser pointers, probably a big no-no. Uh, walking around with an iPad or some tablet that doesn't have some kind of red cellophane on it. This is, these are big things and they're very simple things to address. Um, but it's just about being part of the community and kind of reading the room, if you will. That if you're going to come to these events, everyone there wants you to be there. Everyone there wants to, loves having you there. And you are welcome. But you need to understand that there are some rules to what it's, what's, there, what's acceptable there. And as long as you follow that, you're good. You are welcome. Please come back next year. We'd love to have you again. That's how it is with these star parties. Some of the coolest people you'll ever meet are at these events. And if you ever want to know about equipment... That's the place to go as a star party. Now, one of the different now one of the star parties on here is not like the others. Grand Canyon Star Party and a lot of the National Park Star Parties, while dark sky events, they are not like the other star parties. These are educational outreach events. This you go to these events like Grand Canyon Star Party because you are going to share your passion for astronomy and your equipment with others 
And by going to those star, that type of star party, yes, it's dark skies. And yes, that's what we're trying to promote. You have to go understanding that the people attending have no idea what the protocol is. So if you go to Grand Canyon Star Party or National Parks, they do their best. The park service and the teams that run these star parties do their best to educate people on, hey, you should use red light or whatever. That's the whole point of the star party like that is to educate people about why we needed to protect dark skies and how you can enjoy the dark skies. But a bunch of people who go to these events don't generally know that. They don't know protocol. They don't have a red light. And they use their cell phones because they don't want to trip and navigate in the dark. You can't go to that event and be upset that Bob just turned on his flashlight on his cell phone because he doesn't know and he doesn't have a red light and he's not equipped. Even though the parks do their best for it, you just have to accept that it's a thing. It's also another thing for astrophotographers. If imaging is your thing and you don't want to be questioned on what you're doing or bothered, that star party is not for you. If you want to set up, do some live stack imaging and educate and show people about your rig and then once everyone leaves and then do your hardcore imaging, welcome. We'd love to have you. But when you're going to these large outreach star parties, like the national park parties, you need to make sure that you know why you're going there. You're not going there for you and your needs anymore. You're going to share that stuff. Um, the other star parties on here, that is perfect. Go for you, enjoy yourself, enjoy your equipment, share it with your comrades and have a good time. It's same thing with Grand Canyon. Just you have to understand that you're not really there for yourself. You're there to share. So, um, but just understand the expectations of the star party. And now there's going to be an inside joke about Bob throughout all of the, the future. What's up webcast. Um, how long this is another thing. A lot of these big major star parties are like a week long. Uh, star parties is like, or sorry, Texas star party is a week. Grand Canyon star party is a week. Winter star party is a week. Uh, the majority of them are a week, um, like seven days. It's a long time. Um, I've done Texas star party from start to finish a couple years. And there's a ton of people out there that do it every year. Um, staying up all night for seven or eight nights in a row is a lot. And it's funny because if you start going to these star parties and you go the whole week, you'll find that there's a lot of people that start hard during the first part of the week that burn out or get quiet towards the later part of the week. Um, it's a lot of work to go to these star parties. Um, so things to consider, how, how long are you gonna be staying? That's a big thing. Uh, I find that four, for myself, four or five days is generally more than enough for me to be there. I would love to be there the whole time because I just like being there. But four or five days is generally pretty good. Um, some of these star parties like Texas Star Party, the weather can get really crazy all of a sudden. It might be worth going all week if you can afford it because you're probably going to lose some of the nights. You rarely will get all seven or eight nights. So it's good to add some nights in the assumption that you're going to lose it. Um, generally, they try to plan these events when the weather is good, but at times it happens. It's the weather. We can't control it. Or can we? Um, 
So how long are you going to be staying? That's more of like a budget thing. Um, next thing is where will you be staying? This is a big issue when you start getting to like these remote star parties. Um, for example, like Okitex. Okitex, there isn't a lot of little places for you to stay in the middle of nowhere. Um, Texas Star Party, you're not far from the town of Fort Davis. It's like 10 minutes. There's plenty of hotels out there for you to stay. Um, and Fort Davis is an awesome little town too. I really like Texas for that. Texas Star Party is very comfortable if you plan accordingly. Um, they do have places you can stay on site, but those fill up really quickly. And generally there's like a raffle or something to have your name picked. Um, some people camp. That sounds terrible. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just spoiled, but I'm over the whole camping thing at star parties. I'm there to have fun. I'm not there to just burn up in a tent for seven days. Not my thing, but that's just me. There are plenty of people who do it and they're comfortable and that's fine. Um, but that's something you need to consider. Maybe you have a trailer and there's hookups there. Texas star party does have some hookups. A lot of people bring trailers. Um, that could be something too, but you should understand logistically what each star party is going to allow, what they can handle, um, and how are you going to be staying there um, for the the nights that you're going to, the days that you're going to be there. So that's a big deal. Some of those are a lot easier than others. Like I said, Okitex, very remote. Texas star party, a little bit more forgiving um, that you can stay places. And then so on and so forth. But I don't know about all the star parties. I haven't been to them all. Some of them you're going to need to think about that. Um, do you need to bring food? Um, a lot of the large star parties do a really nice job at having some kind of food available for their attendees. Um, I know Texas Star Party, you can buy a meal plan. You can eat on the ranch, which is kind of cool. Um, you're not far from in town. And there's a bunch of little towns out near Texas Star Party where there's plenty for you to go do and eat. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, but yeah, do you need to bring food? How much food are you going to bring? Maybe you're just going out with your friends for a few nights and it's really remote and you have to bring all, all your stuff. So that's something that you're going to do. Uh, another thing that you could do is if you're going out with a group, whether it's a big star party, you can each be assigned... Um, to bring different things. Um, I know at Texas Star Party, I bring Texas up a lot because I've been there a lot and I could speak um, on a little bit more authority because I've been there. Um, I know there's a small group that does like sushi night out there, which is really strange. And I commend you, Tom, for doing that. Um, but they, they pick a night and one guy does sushi and he's really good at it. And it's become a thing um, every year. It just happens. Um, and but you could plan something like that where one one person does this one person does this and each night it's something different um margarita mixer machine yes absolutely uh yes we'll, we'll just leave it at that but yes um i think ultimately though the big thing about the star parties that we all need to remember is it's fun you got to make it fun this is a good time for you to go spend with your friends. Um, you know, we're all really busy. We all have a lot going on, you know, families and kids and work and whatever's going on in your crazy life. Um, we all have it. 
we all look forward to those nights under the stars where we can just take a breath and relax. Um, so I have some really good memories with a lot of people at these star parties. That's why I go every year and each one's different. There's a different crew of people that goes, you know, Grand Canyon. That's my personal star party. I go there because I've been going there since I was 16. Um, Texas, I go for work. And a lot of my friends from Arizona don't make the, the pilgrimage out to Texas star party. So there's a whole nother group of friends that I have out at Texas. Um, we've done events in Maine, which is amazing. Um, we need to go back uh, to the ones up in Maine. And I do want to get out to Florida. It's just you're going to meet new friends everywhere you go. It's just a really cool thing. But ultimately, I think we go for the camaraderie and the fact that we have our favorite telescopes and equipment and all the stuff we like to brag about at the same time. There's nothing negative about that either. And then you get to use a bunch of cool stuff, which brings us to what do we bring? Um, so with this, I would probably tell you, what are your goals? That's a big thing. Um, are you doing visual? Are you doing imaging? Are you doing both? What, what is your ultimate goal? Um, at the star party because obviously you're making the trek out there and yeah you're going to hang out with your friends you're going to have a good time but what is your astronomical goal um are you trying to see some faint stuff are you trying to image something you haven't been able to get from the backyard are you doing both what is it um which brings me to the thing that i do the worst at is don't bring too much equipment i am terrible at this i bring way too much crap it's like, oh, well, if I'm going to do wide field, then I'm going to bring my Esprit 100. But maybe I want to do some imaging. I'll bring my Esprit 150. But now I have my DAB. I want to be able to do deep sky. So I'm going to bring the 28 inch. You bring too much stuff. Just reduce it. Um, you don't have as much time as you think. Even if you're going there for seven days. When I pack to go to Texas Star Party, I bring way too much crap. Way too much stuff. Because we're shipping pallets of stuff out there that we want to showcase. But you want to make sure that you know what you're doing and you probably have half the amount of time that you think that you're going to use it. And maybe you're not going to do as much solar that day because you were up till four in the morning and you're not going to use the solar scope that much. So now that's in the way and you got to move that around. Whatever. It's just a thing. We bring too much stuff. You don't have as much time as you think. Uh, make sure you have the supplies to run your gear. I can't tell you how many times I have talked to people that, hey, I need this cable because I forgot it at home. Hey, I need this battery because I forgot my battery. I've done it all the time. I forgot trust poles for my dobs before. That sucks. Um, but batteries, cables, backup equipment if you need it, tools, flashlights, uh, red flashlights as well. Um, if you're going to certain star parties that are dusty, maybe a tarp um, would be a good thing. Texas star party gets rather dusty. Some of the star parties out here in Arizona, really dusty. A tarp is a good thing to put down to reduce the amount of dust that's coming up onto your telescope. And it also just keeps things, it keeps the dust down. Um, if you're going to a major star party and your equipment's going to be set up for a while, maybe a cover would be a good investment for you to have or go pick up a tarp or margarita machines like the cat made this is recommending in the chat which is i would almost deem a requirement 
um, to all star parties, especially here in the Southwest United States. Um, another thing is understanding some of the issues that could happen at a star party and making sure you're equipped for that. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the big things, especially being at Texas star party, things tend to take off at Texas star party because of the dust devils that go through there. I have seen a 25 inch dob go airborne. I've seen a 22 inch obsession get blown down. Um, really expensive things that shouldn't be on the ground end up on the ground. So if you're going to Texas Star Party for the first time, make sure you invest in a big pack of bungee cords or ratchet straps or something and really good stakes to stake your equipment to the ground so it doesn't go flying off. I thought that was ridiculous at first when I first went out there. It's not. It's legit. And make sure you ask someone who's been to a Star Party, are there any nuances about this event that I should know about before I show up. Uh, Len in the chat brings up a good one as well. Learn new gear before you get out there. Yes. I've had that happen before at Texas Star Party. We had someone bring out a telescope. It was in the box when they showed up. And one of our guys had to sit there and show them how to use their telescope. Like I said, these events are like the Super Bowl. You should know what you're doing by the time you get out there, especially because it costs money. You generally have to travel pretty far. These large events are not set up for you to come out and learn from somebody else because a lot of the people who are going out to these events know what they're doing. A lot of people there are very helpful. They're willing to help to a certain extent, but you need to know what you're doing before you show up. So it's kind of like a band. You should learn your instrument, know what you're doing before you go perform. And that's what a star party is. Star party is where you go show, you put all that you've learned up to the test. And of course, you're going to learn some new things there. But don't throw it on other people to help you teach there. You should know what you're doing. Don't buy an ASI Air, leave it in the box show up to a star party and be like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Show me how to use it. That's really disrespectful to a lot of the people that are actually there, especially when you could have taken 20 minutes to learn your stuff before you showed up. Speaking of that, I'm talking to everybody who buys an ASI Air. Take 20 minutes, go on YouTube, watch a video of how it's supposed to work, and then if you have problems, then go talk to someone who can help you navigate the problems. Sorry, that was a rant, but it happens a lot to some friends of mine. Just take some time and learn your equipment. You want to be a part of the hobby? Take the time to learn it. If you need help, there's plenty of people that are out there to help you. But there's a difference between asking for help and having your hand held. Um, Don't show up to a star party expecting someone to hold your hand. All of us want you to have an amazing time at an event. We're not here to hold your hand. So, um, but yeah, these are just things that you're going to want to bring to a star party. Of course, your equipment is important. I would bring the best stuff that you've got. You know, if you're going to a dark sky site, bring the biggest daub or biggest aperture telescope that you've got. Um, if you're doing imaging, bring the best camera that you've got. Make sure that when you're there, you are getting the most out of your time being there. 
Um, and stuff can go wrong. Things don't work. It's not the end of the world. There's plenty of people out there that would also be willing to share their telescope with you if you're having an off night or you don't want to set something up. Especially the ones that have the big daubs. They are generally very, very happy to show you around the night sky with one of the big scopes. So don't be hesitate to ask um, to take a look at something. Because every single person I have met who owns a large aperture Dobsonian, especially at a star party, has been very gracious with their time. And they are generally more than happy to have you look through the scope or even at times take requests. Just be respectful of what they're observing that evening. And if you can just ask like, hey, could we look at the whirlpool? Or hey, could we look at the horse head? Or whatever it is. If, if you respect them, their time, and their equipment, a lot of times they'd be more than happy to show it to you because they'll probably spark an interest in them because they're like, yeah, tonight's pretty good. We should look at that. Um, let's see. But that's that's what I would recommend. If you're going to a star party, bring your best stuff. That's what it's there for. And if I hear another person say it's too dusty, why are you in the hobby at all? It's going to get dusty. Blow it off. It's no big deal. You know, I've had my five-year-old touch my Esprit 150 lens. It'll wipe off. It's not a big deal. So, but just be respectful of other people when you go to star parties. Don't touch their stuff, especially without asking. Um, be gracious if they do let you use their equipment. But a lot of people are very, very open to letting you stuff. Um, let's see what's going on in the chat. Let's see. So tip, learn gear before you get there. Yes, yes, we did talk about that. I swear I am talking to all the ASI Air owners out there because it's a problem. So learn your stuff respectfully. Please just put some effort into learning your equipment. It's, it's okay. Like, just don't be the one that needs your hand held. Put some effort into it. Um, be respectful of other people's time. Uh, let's see, schedule some people to help with you and your new gear. Yes. You know, that's a great point. Actually, if you have new gear and maybe you're new to the star party scene and you're, but you have new gear during the day, there is nothing to do. Most people are asleep to about 11. Then they wake up, they get around, they start figuring out what they want to do. If you need some help during the day is a great time because a lot of people are just hanging out, doing nothing. Maybe you need to clean your mirror, maybe, which I don't know why you'd be doing at a star party because it's just going to get dirty again, but I've seen it happen. Maybe you need to clean something. Maybe you need to rewire something. Maybe you need some help during the day. Maybe ask some people, Hey, tomorrow, if you have nothing going on, could you help me with this? Nine times out of 10, you're probably going to get more than enough people and more than enough opinions on how you should do it. Um, to come help you during the day. Um, there's plenty of time to do it. Just don't do it at night. If you need help at night, it's make sure it's an actual problem. Uh, let's see, be respectful during the day and night. If you're just there for the party, others are serious about their astrophotography and want to sleep during the day. Yes, you're, you're there with a bunch of astronomers. You're there with night owls. Um, be respect, just be respectful of people. Like people are there because they want to be there but you be respectful of other people who are probably sleeping 
I've seen star party checklist in the past that may also include camping lists. Yes. Um, camping equipment's going to be a big thing. That was kind of going back to knowing how long you're going to be there because knowing how long you're going to be there and where you're going is going to dictate if you're going to be camping or not. Um, Oh, that's a good one, Len. Keep your headlamp pointed down. Um, I have done that before, especially when we're working on telescopes that aren't working in the dark. Have your headlamp down. Because if you have your headlamp up, yes, it's red, but you're also doing like a freaking rave in the middle of the night or it looks like you're having a seizure. Um, you're hitting people's telescopes. You have people who are doing five, 10 minute exposures and you just ruin their shot. Just keep your headlamp down, pointed down. I know this seems a lot of like purist stuff, but if you're going to a major star party, these are just how to be respectful around your peers. Um, just be aware of that. Don't use a laser pointer. It's just being respectful, like I said, of your peers, of your others who are there and why they are there. You're not there by yourself. You're not there with a bunch of friends. You're not having lightsaber wars with your laser pointers, which we've done before when it's cloudy. Man, does it look like a laser party is going on. It's just... Um, but that's because there's nothing to do except hit the clouds with laser pointers. Um, everyone's got one. They're just choosing them not to use them. Just be respectful that you're not the only one there and everyone's needs. Everyone's trying to be there and enjoy it. Um, this has turned into a little bit more of a rant, but I'm, I'm just trying to be up front having done enough of these. Um, oh, speaking of which, if you are hosting a large event, um, or any kind of event, it might be good to put a list together of rules. What is acceptable? It's good to be up front. Just be upfront about the regulations of your event. Um, Grand Canyon star party, for example, it's an outreach star party. So every telescope at Grand Canyon has to have a red light on it for safety purposes. And it also marks where the telescopes are. Julian star fest, one of my favorite events, um, in Southern California, it's not the biggest event in the world, but it's a fantastic event has a very cool protocol, um, for their astronomers. Some astronomers are there for themselves and some are there for outreach. The telescopes that are there for outreach on the Saturday night that they're opened um, for the public are marked with glow-in-the-dark red rings. If the telescope does not have a glow ring on it, it is not available for the public use. You just keep walking by. It's kind of like Halloween protocol. If there's no lights on on the house, you walk by. If there's a light on, welcome. Come take a look. Same thing at Julian Starfest. I really like how they do that. I haven't been there in a few years, um, but last time I was there, that was the protocol. Everyone doing an outreach telescope got a red ring and it was marked on the telescope and people would come by and look. If it didn't have a red ring, keep going. Um, don't be like some tourist that ruins orthologists by throwing rocks to birds. Yeah. If, yeah. But yeah, um, if you're hosting or if you're, if you're the one hosting a star party, put a list of rules together for your attendees. Uh, Hey, this is a dark sky event, red lights, uh, laser pointers are no, or they're yes. If it's an outreach event, whatever the case may be, put the rules together. Don't make, don't put too many rules out there, but just lay them down what your expectations are 
And that's going to act as a filter as well for who's serious about coming for the reason your event exists and who's not. So that's something that um, you probably want to think about if you're going to be hosting an event is you want to put the rules down and what the expectations of your event actually are. Um, very simple. This takes a little bit of time. Um, but if you want to carve out the expectations you have of your people. Um, let's see. I'll be doing an astronomy education event through local parks and rec. Was thinking about one classroom session and then we go outside for two nights. What's the best approach to this? Um, it seems kind of like you got it figured out for the most part. Um, I would decide what exactly you're going to be doing in your classroom session. Um, and then when you go outside, I would... Before I would go outside with anybody, I would do my session and then I would tell people what, um, how to be safe around the telescopes. This is a big thing for outreach events, by the way. Um, and I'll tell you how I do it and how I've learned to do it through friends of mine who've also done it. I've told clubs about this. A lot of clubs I see go out and do an outreach event and they're always like yelling at somebody says, don't touch my telescope. Well, great. You just shoot everyone away. Um, if you have a talk ahead of your event, that's a really good time to educate people on the safety and the protocols of star parties. Hey, if you have a, if you don't have a red light, try to reduce the amount of time that you have it on. And if it is on, please put it down towards the ground. Don't be shining it around. It doesn't need to go anywhere except making sure you don't trip over a rock. Um, only hold on to the telescope or the ladder. Um, if you have any issues with the telescope or need assistance, ask the astronomer. Take that time to educate people and then let them go with the telescopes. It goes a long way because most people don't want to hurt your equipment anyway. But if you have a chance to do a classroom session or a talk ahead of your, pre ahead of your star party, especially for a public one, it goes a long way to take five or 10 minutes to tell people the safety of being out in the dark with equipment. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah. And let's see. As an attendee, don't be offended by the rules. Just comply. They're there because... Yes, if there's rules to an event, it's probably because someone was stupid about it and didn't follow them, so they had to put it in there. You don't have to argue with them. Most organizers don't want to have any kind of confrontation with you to begin with. This also goes with your customer service reps when you call for assistance. We're not here to give you a hard time. We just have to follow the protocol, even if you don't like it. Um, as a star party attendee, if you don't like the rules, read them ahead of time. Because those are the rules. If you don't like them, don't come. But don't come and then give them a hard time about it. Because odds are... It's there to protect the organization that's putting this on. Ah, well, I was worried we wouldn't have enough time today, but we burned through that. So overall, if you're going to a star party, just have a good time. Be respectful of everyone. Uh, know your needs, what you're gonna, what you will need, how long you're gonna go. Um, but star parties are really worth going to. I would recommend everyone who's in the hobby go to one, especially the big ones. Um, those of you going to Texas Star Party, we will see you there. Um, we're looking forward to seeing you guys again. Um, 
I don't know what other ones we're, we're going to Neef this year. Um, that'll be cool to see everybody. It's not a star party, but it's still an event. So, um, but yeah, it's great to go to these events, especially if you're new, uh, because it definitely gets you out and meets, lets you meet people, see different equipment and just have an overall good time. And odds are you'll probably meet some new friends along the way, which is probably the most important thing. Um, I know astronomy is probably one of those hobbies which are very isolating at times. And a lot of us are probably cut from the same cloth where we're kind of socially awkward. We we don't interact with people too much. You know, we kind of we're introverted. We probably don't like to be around too many people too much. And it's just kind of a weird thing for a lot of us. But when we step into the astronomy world, it's very open and accepting because we're a lot alike. And that's what I like about astronomy. Um, uh, Genie, what is NEAF? Or NEAF is the Northeast Astronomy Forum. So N-E-A-F. Um, it, uh, it takes place in New York. Suffer New York. It's a big astronomy show. You can look it up. N-E-A-F um, if you want to come to that. So, but yeah. Um, but these events are awesome. You get to meet a lot of people. You get to meet a lot of friends and probably by the end of the time that you're there, you would have a great time and you're going to be, uh, leaving with a lot of cool memories and hopefully some new friends. Maybe you get to see them more often. Um, don't mix visual observers with imagers have two areas. That's a huge, actually, if you're organizing event, yes, put the imagers somewhere and put the visual people elsewhere. It's just different goals. Um, but having a spot for the imagers, especially if you are lucky enough to have a location that has power, if you have a location that has power to run imaging equipment for a lot of people, yeah, you're you're golden. All the imagers will flock because there's nothing worse than having to drag batteries out into the field. Um, so if you have power or you have a location that does have access to power, um, good for you because the imagers are going to love you. Um, but the goals of an imager and a visual person are generally different and they're there for different reasons. Um, so giving them their own space to execute what their goals are is not a bad idea if you have the location to do so. Cool. Uh, well, I don't see any more questions here and I've probably ranted long enough about some of this stuff, but, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. If you like what you see here on the WhatsApp webcast, please go ahead and email us at info at skywatchusa.com. If you have ideas for an episode, if not subscribe, leave a like on a video. We really appreciate it. Um, it does let us know that we're doing a good job and that we should keep doing this. Um, but that is pretty much our episode for star party planning. I know that probably went a little differently than I had planned it, but it's, it's a good time. It's worth going. I highly recommend getting out to some of the bigger ones. Meet some new friends. Learn your freaking equipment before you show up. And uh, yeah, just have a good time. You know, if you need help, people are always there to help. Just be cordial and respectful of people's needs. They're also there for their own stuff. So 
so yeah, that's pretty much it. Next week we have an awesome special guest coming on. Uh, we'll see if I can actually pull it up because I don't have the graphic loaded in here like I should have. So bear with me really quick. Um, but if you are a Star Trek fan um, or a fan of the Orville or any of those cool spacey space shows, that's a term I just coined, so do not quote me on that, even though you're all going to do it. Uh, next week on the What's Up webcast, we're going to have uh, Andre Bormanis. I've probably butchered that. I'm going to have to apologize to him. He's a writer and producer for Star Trek, Cosmos, and the Orville. Um, we're going to have him on next week, which is going to be kind of a different approach than what we've done before, but it'll be kind of cool to talk to someone who is involved in kind of the world of space as it boils over into pop culture and see how that kind of inspires people into that. So, um, but yeah, that'll be next week. It's going to be a good time. We're, we're really looking forward to having him on. Um, and we will start scheduling, uh, February episodes as well. But, uh, thank you all very much for hanging out. Hopefully I didn't uh, upset anybody on my rants. Um, but I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you very much for being here on the what's up webcast and we will see you guys next Friday at 10 AM Pacific. Take care and have a great weekend. See you guys. Bye.